0: Welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe
1: Mejia and Diego Corzo. Diego, dude, what's up? So we have claims to fire from Instagram today on the podcast. He's really cool guy, we get into a great story about insurance claim. Now people might be like, what, that's gonna be super boring. Like, no, you got to stay tuned. Listen to that, because he drops some huge nuggets if you ever get in a situation where you have to do an insurance claim.
2: Yeah, no, Felipe, I'm very excited for this one, because he also talks a little bit about uh, how he's stepping how he's taking a step back, what some people may consider uh, going backwards but to move forward multiple steps so i'm excited to hear him share that story so we'll get to it
1: yeah no it's really good um and then guys don't forget the rat race to five course is out use the code rr half off uh make sure to go to our website at www.ratracetofi.com and you'll be able to get the course there as well as a new drop called the mini tribes or the, i'm sorry the micro Tribes. so make sure you go check that out Guys, stay tuned to the end of the podcast. There's some great bombs here. Let's get started. Jose, what's up, bro? Uh, man, thank you so much for t- uh, taking the time out of your day to jump on the Rat Race to Five podcast. We're super excited. I know that we're probably like number two or number three of the podcast you've actually done. I've followed you for a while on Instagram, bro. bro. Real quick, do you mind telling us who you are? What do you do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I appreciate, first, I appreciate both of you hopping on and uh, allowing me to bring some value to your listeners. So you guys have a great podcast, and I love that you actually um, move forward with it so you can uh, share, it with the, share it with the world. So appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Um, so for me, uh, I live in San Diego currently, born and raised in Chicago. I uh, went to school at Arizona State, so I got my party degree in Arizona State and moved back for a year, realized that I didn't want to deal with the cold and the humidity anymore. So ended up in uh, San Diego. So I've been out here for about since about two thousand eight, and the um, a little bit I guess to even go back to like high school. Um, man, I was I was a complete introvert to, to the point that when I went to went to college and got my party degree at Arizona State, I came back that first break, and my uncle told my grandfather, he's like, "What happened to your to your grandson?" And he's like, "He's like, what? What are you talking about?" He he was a mute before he went to. <laughs> went to college and now I couldn't get him to shut up. And I was like, Oh, well, that's good. You know? So there's definitely change. And then I noticed that, um, and I feel like a lot yourselves as well. I'm sure. Um, you change over time. Like you, I was completely introverted, but as you start to develop personally, start hanging around with different groups, like you just start to change your yourself and you, you just develop a lot faster that way. So I found that uh, when I moved away from home, I was forced to, you know, make those friends, make those connections and just continue to put myself out there because I, w- I didn't know anyone at school. Um, and then the same thing with San Diego. I had a there was a girl involved that brought me out here, but that, that only lasted a short time. And then I just had to you know, build that friend network from there. So it, every step of the way, I just kind of built a new network.
1: So um, what sports and who were you in high school? I want to take it back, bro. Like what sports did you play? Were you jockish? Were you? like into, uh, you know, chess? Were you the the, were you did you play an instrument? I mean, who were you in high school? So
0: um, I played ice hockey. Ice hockey was my passion. I'm from Chicago. So that was a big thing there. Um, Used to live across from one of the Chicago Blackhawks at the time. And so that was pretty much my identity. Um, And then between junior and well, the beginning of junior year, I broke my wrist that healed. Um, and then beginning a senior year, um, of the season, I broke the wrist in the same spot. So I was just one of those that, uh, had to call it quits. So that, that was kind of my first identity shift because everything I did was just ice hockey. That's all I talked about. That's all my, all my friends were uh, ice hockey players, my teammates. And then, so, um, kind of just, uh, just stood neutral. Like I didn't have any real passions in in high school. And that's where um, once, you know, once ice hockey was over. So then when I decided to go to college, I just needed to get away. That was just kind of the main thing. I just needed to change. And for me, Arizona, very nice weather. Wasn't too bad the way that uh, some of the ladies went to class you know there were (laughs) so so it was it was very appealing to me so i just had i just decided to make that change it was something that um i really needed at the time and i just decided that it was the best move for me to just move away and just restart myself in a new setting
1: awesome so high school uh hockey broke your wrist then you went to college uh you loved that apparently what what was after after college then what happened you moved back home what uh, kind of give us the rundown there. Did you start investing in real estate right after college? I mean, what's the story?
0: No, I didn't even get into real estate until about, uh, well, uh, we'll get to that one. But um, as far as, I moved back for a year, um, but didn't realize how much the weather affected me, because um, I was in pure sunshine in, in Arizona. So when I moved back, it was probably the coldest winter that they'd had in in, uh, in a while. So. Um uh, just felt kind of depressed with all the the snow, the overcast everything, so uh I had a few friends in San Diego there was a girl involved I uh, decided to make that jump, and I've loved it ever since like I love southern california i I can have the the weather year round here where I might get two and a half months of that in Chicago, so i you know I feel like I chose the right person,
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So then how did you find, uh, or what do you do right now for work? Sorry, that's what I wanted to know. What what, uh, what do you do for your W2 job? So I'll I'll
0: um, lead up to that because that's kind of where my the claims to fire came from. So when I moved out he, to San Diego, I didn't have a job lined up. So I just did telemarketing just as a temp job. And then uh, one of my friends, they were working at uh, farmer's insurance at the time.
2: Yeah.
0: And... It paid better than you know the telemarketing position. So I applied. Uh, I didn't even know what a claims adjuster was. They offered me a position, asked me which department I wanted. And I was like, well, which, which department does Heather work in? Cause I'll just work there. And then <laughs> so took the position, made a couple different moves throughout the throughout my career as an insurance claims adjuster, ended up on the property side. So I knew that you know I eventually I wanted to own a home. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about properties. And then took a catastrophe position, which a, a lot of your listeners don't know what that is. Um, anytime there's a hurricane, tornado, hailstorm, anywhere across the U.S., there are specific teams that will travel to those uh, locations to handle the claims because they just come in massive volumes. So I did that for about 18 months. It was great money. Helped me clear my, clear my debt. Uh, I cleared about 74000 um, uh, yeah, in about that 18 months. I cleared everything. And then um, when I came back, uh, actually.
1: Real quick, before we move on mm-hmm. real quick. Um, so you worked in claims. That's like the insurance part, right? Like where if something right. happens to someone's house or whatever, then insurance claims come in and you guys like help like with that situation. Right. Correct.
0: Yeah, I was the one who if you had a water loss in uh, one of your rental properties, I'd come in, evaluate the the damage write up an estimate write you would check there. And then uh, as you got the contractors, they send me the bids as long as everything was an agreement then um you know you just get the work done send
1: in the final well, let's let's dig into that because that was probably one of the hardest times in my investing career so okay. i guess i'm about to find out if you, were you passionate about your job or did you not like it
0: no i was just good at it i, I was not passionate about okay. um being and i want to ask
1: you i want to ask you some hard questions for the listeners oh no go feel ahead. free to tell me felipe i'm not going to talk about that like <laughs> but i'm i'm more passionate about my listeners then like okay so i want value right so i want i want want to dig this out and diego's laughing because he knows what's coming lay it on me okay you ready i effing hated my claims insurance adjuster okay what happened was i had a rental property and people are going to love this on the content i had a rental property that i went to florida and the rental property stayed renting obviously right and then. What happened was tenants moved out and new tenants were moving in there was a 30-day gap so what happened was somebody broke into the house and lit the garage they tried to light the house on fire through the garage because they couldn't get into the house so Mm -hmm. they just busted through the garage lit a dog's house that i had stashed in there on fire uh but it didn't get into the house so there was just smoke damage everywhere because the plastic from the dog house went into the house anyways caused like sixty thousand dollars worth of damage And like you said a minute ago, the insurance adjuster came and was like, hey, we'll write you a check right now to fix all of this. And I was this close to accepting it. And I said, wait a minute, I've been in construction before. This is gonna take a lot more than $30,000. Something's not right. So my first thing was, he was trying to undercut me $50,000 or 30,000. Is that normal? Or or how does that work? Because now I even tell my mentees in rat race to fight, shameless plug, Uh take inventory of everything in your rental properties or your personal house, like keep receipts, uh be intentional about taking pictures of your house every six months inside and out because the insurance adjuster is not on your side. Am I right or am I wrong? So that's it's a misconception that the insurance adjuster
0: isn't on your side because and the reason why is that here you have to take me as an example. And I'll give you full transparency on why this doesn't apply, is because I have no construction background. I was not in construction at all, yet the insurance companies will hire people that have no construction background to be claims adjusters. So in order for someone to truly evaluate and write an estimate for the cost for repair, you're just going on what you're trained to do. So if you're trained that, okay, this is how much drywall they cut, they cut four feet across the perimeter of the the room, you know, we're replacing all this flooring, we're going to take a sample of the flooring to give you the true material cost for the flooring, here's what the labor is telling me from this program, it's all programs. So that particular adjuster, just like myself, they didn't have any experience. They're just going off of guidelines. So the estimate is just kind of, you're getting started with the estimate. So I could come in give you the same thing, and that's what I saw, but I'm waiting for you also to get two, three bids from your contractors. Your contractors come in and like, all right, I give you estimate for 30. You get an estimate for say 35, 40, 42. Okay, who do you feel comfortable with using? all right, I want to go with the 40 guy, you know, 42, or maybe the other guy's like 60, because there's always going to be a lower, there's going to be a middle ground. And then there's going to be that guy who just wants to take sure. a home run on the job. Right. <clears throat> so you'll always have that. That's why three, three estimates are always recommended in insurance claims. Even if you have your own like preferred vendor and contractor and everything, right? You just want to get a good balance of that. <clears throat> so they send in the estimate as detailed and line item as possible. Then that's when the discussion starts with the, with the adjuster. And I, you know, I have like 40, 50 other claims that I got to get to. Like I have to get to usually like two to three a day. So it's not that I don't care about it. It's just like, I still have a sh- ton uh, and I'm sorry if I, I'm not. You're lucky, good. But- no,
1: be yourself, be yourself.
0: <laughs> so if you got such a high like volume that you have to get through and inspections that you got to run, you're just trying to get in, give as much as you can, as much of the meat as you can to get that checked to you, you know, before I leave the house. That you know, I'm still waiting on the back end for you to give me all those estimates because I know that my estimate isn't going to be 100 percent, but it could be 90 percent. It could be 80 percent. So that's kind of where the misconception is on that.
1: So here's the here's here's my pickle behind it. And, Mm -hmm. and, And literally in my whole investing career, all six years, all 33 units and all the breakdown, this six months was the hardest part of my investing career was dealing with an adjuster. They wanted to give me like one hundred and fifty bucks for a TV that cost seven hundred dollars. They wanted to give my wife five hundred bucks for a seven thousand dollar wedding dress. They wanted to like there was a lot of like they gave us a breakdown of everything in the house that they were going to cover and it didn't smell right. So I just did a lot more digging as a businessman. And I was like, let me read what our our insurance stuff is. And let me let me let me look online at what what people are saying. And this is a warning to everyone listening to the podcast right now. Don't sign that first check regardless of uh, I love Jose. But regardless of what Jose is saying right now, do not sign that first check. Wait and make sure that you're getting the right amount, because what happens a lot of times is you're going to get a check and then you're going to get kicked to the curve because you signed already. And you're gonna realize that that fat check is gonna take care of about 50, 60% of what it's supposed to. And then you're gonna to have to do all the little stuff. I'll give you an example. Um, we had to redo our whole kitchen, like the utensils and stuff. And that ended up coming up to like 1100 bucks that wasn't in the first proposal. And they were like, oh, or they were like, well, how much is your kitchenware worth? 19 from Walmart. And I'm like, no, we have like air fryers and and all this stuff. So what we ended up doing, Jose, was really dope. My wife's really, really smart. So she, line by line, went through this house that was smoked out. She went and took inventory of everything in our house. We went into an Excel sheet, and then she spent like three days, 12 hour days, and she went to Target and was like, okay, utensils, air fryer, fork, knife. Like she went through all the stuff that we had bought got as many receipts as possible. And then we sent that to the insurance company. And then they wrote us like a $72,000 check versus 30 grand that they offered us the day of. So uh, to the listeners, we want to add value. I'm telling you, if you ever run into a situation where you're at working with an insurance company to adjust a claim, like my personal experience was they were not on my side. And I remember after we submitted that Excel sheet, Jose, we got called into what was called a special something adjuster like they they were saying that we were fraud they were like no special you guys did investigation it on your, unit yes special investigation unit they were like "No, nope, you guys are fraud you guys did this on your own and that only happened after we re their their check to us with our excel sheet of everything broken down and they were like no you guys did this yada yada, yada. we had to go into separate interviews um it was nuts but at the end of the day we did win uh, i feel like we came up on top and we can get past this part uh, but I think this is part of real estate, and this this can and, and might happen. So you need to be ready for the fight of your life when you come to that situation.
0: No, and I, I agree with you. And that's that's where again, like they every they're just trying to get in and out to pay you. You know, th- it will come to a settlement, like as long as you sub- submit the documentation. But unfortunately, it does typically happen that you have to submit the documentation to understand that, especially in a fire scenario. Like if you open up the drawers. And you have a fire and you have like 10 spatulas like 10 like wooden like spoons or whatever and it it was a fire you're not gonna be able to see that so just like you said you know for your listeners go through just take a video you don't need to take like a photo of every single thing just take a video open (laughs) the drawers take a video of that open the drawer take a video of that so then you can go back and then save it on a hard drive or an external drive somewhere so Mm -hmm. that in the event of a fire for one the laptop isn't messed up or or breaks and <laughs> yes so then but you ha- can have access to it in somewhere like safe deposit box or whatever that way you can easily go through that and then go through your amazon receipts target whatever it is credit card receipts to kind of get that but unfortunately it is a process um but then that kind of leads to what uh, my transition was in that i got burnt out like they yeah. I, I moved a couple companies and they just burnt me out it's a very reactive position because mm. like, I could be on top of my stuff, and get to Friday and be up, lo- locked down. Everything's good and uh, everything's taken care of that week. Monday morning, when I turned my phone on, though, I could have like seven new planes and then it's uh. just back to the grind and like back to reactive mode. So I hated that and they just burnt me out on um, the last company I was with. <clears throat> so I decided to go on the contractor side. So that's what I'm currently doing for. So for my full time job, I work for a national commercial restoration company. And we don't do personal lines, we do commercials. So that's where I got introduced to multifamily was working with these institutional investors, property managers. And as I got to learn a little bit more about their business model, you know, I sat down with a couple of asset managers and VPs and I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that I can be anywhere in the world and as long as I have my business running optimized and it's running efficiently, that money's coming every single month. I was like, I gotta look into this. <laughs> so So I went down the multifamily rabbit hole found bigger pockets and you know what happens if you find bigger pockets it's just over (laughs) at at that point oh yeah it's
1: over after then
0: yeah so that was about um i started my position in uh 2016 so found bigger pockets 2017 um went down the rabbit hole wanted to do a house hack um to start um it wasn't necessarily in the car just for some uh you know wife didn't agree with the with the option on the house hacking and everything so i was like all right well we're going to keep renting. We're going to buy out of state. And then we can buy a house after we get to our first goal. uh, And then, but still found myself in analysis paralysis for about two and a half years. And then I went to BP Con 19. Again, I had to put myself in something very uncomfortable. I went solo, didn't really know anyone there. Went to that first, um, that first happy hour uh, in Nashville, got to meet a few people. And then I was there. That's where I met Diego. Did I meet you? what did you say did i get to meet you no we didn't meet there no oh,
2: okay <laughs> yeah that's that's where i actually met felipe for the first time ever so that's yeah. Awesome. yeah
0: how long were you both
1: talking before you met
2: uh, a month maybe
1: yeah very okay. little yeah we had very similar goals and how we wanted to impact the community uh and we had a lot of uh, vision alignments so we were like this is gonna work out like this is gonna be good Nice.
0: Yeah, that and that's basically um, that kind of changed it. And then I got invited to a, a mastermind, joined that mastermind, and it was really that um, the first time. What, I heard, what
1: was that mastermind?
0: Uh, that was the uh, David Green mastermind. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so we—that uh, was the first time that I heard uh, the six human needs, the Tony Robbins six human needs. I never really heard that before. And the way that uh, David broke it down was, it was my need for certainty that was holding me back. It was like, I, I was, I was building that savings account and that comfort seeing that I had a, a large savings, but it was not doing anything for me because I was losing oh. daily, if you know, hourly to inflation just sitting there. So I finally, you know, it finally clicked for me and then, um, My son was born in November, so that was the last kick in the pants that I needed to actually like make something happen. So I started putting offers in uh, multifamily properties in Des Moines, Iowa um, in October, November of 2019, and uh, got my first offer accepted uh, February of 2020, and then closed March of uh, 2020 on my first uh, multifamily property, which was a seven unit in Des Moines, Iowa.
1: Well, it sounds like you moved pretty fast.
0: Yeah, once I actually like put put all the pieces together, and uh, and I, again, it goes back to like I knew what I needed to do, but I just didn't have the right why, and my son was that final push that I needed to actually make it happen. So I knew mm-hmm. that um, I needed to make a change, and that's that was kind of the last piece that I needed to actually uh, light a fire under my under myself.
2: What what's interesting too, Jose, is that you went from like from just reading a lot of stuff online right to finally going to an event and joining a peer group a mastermind and that is when you actually started taking action right and at the end of the day it's more like is that accountability that happens when you're on zoom calls every monday or whenever that is right and then you're sharing or or you're listening to other people take action and when it comes to you like you want to be the person too that says "Oh, i did this not every single week i'm thinking about doing this i've been exploring this right Um, and you put yourself in that position and I feel like that's what got you, um, to go because you said that you invested in your first property in 2020, we're in 2021 right now, but you went from zero to 22 doors, right. Um, in, you can say two years. Um, so it's, it's really interesting, like what the results are just by surrounding yourself with like-minded people.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the, uh, and I will say that what even helped even more than the mastermind was the pod that we formed. Um, and, you know, I, I was in a group that both you and, you know, it you know, it's a partner with, uh, Felipe. And so the, you know, that pod, like the weekly accountability, it's like highs and lows. We, I had someone, like I had a, a peer group that I could share, you know, those highs and lows and what my next steps were. And they would keep me accountable. Like, Hey, bro, you said you were going to do this. Like, why, why do you keep pushing it off. Like what is it not really the next domino that you need to work on? Is it something else that you need to work on so they can get your goals a little bit farther ahead? So that really helped the most was that weekly meeting um, with them and constantly going over like what I needed to do. And just as you said, Diego, you know, I was seeing what they were doing and, you know, one guy was like just crushing it, like closing burr after burr. And then I'm like, man, I gotta get in that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, well, actually, let me, let me get your opinion on this. How do you feel uh now that you're on like the other side i guess of like we've already took action and we're doing stuff how do you feel about paid mentorships because you know there's a lot of mixed feelings from different people about them how how do you feel about it and then i'll tell my my opinion and diego as well so for me um i'm actually a, a proponent for the
0: mentorship programs because it's something the reason most of us need it is we need that mindset shift or that assistance to get to the next level to actually make sure that our mindset aligns with where we want to go. Right. And for me, I knew where I wanted to go, but my mindset was holding me back because I didn't know what steps I needed. So that first mastermind was was more of a mindset mastermind. Like It didn't give me like the, the tactical portion of it. I then later joined a multifamily mastermind that gave me a lot more tactical um, applications so that I can scale. So, you know, as as you progress and your goals change, and you know, you may need to roll out of one into another or you may need to find a different mentor. But um, I think it was Brandon Turner said that, you know, you can only rise to the level of your, of your mentor. So at some point you may need to find a different mentor or someone that aligns with your new goals as you develop.
1: Didn't you just go to Hawaii? for one of those mentorships yes yes i just got back from uh maui in september i always wonder i always wonder i'm gonna keep it raw i always wonder if people sometimes go to mentorships and people come to my people come to my uh um retreats that we do i sometimes wonder like like i'm sitting there watching people and i'm like i can tell they're gonna take action i can tell he's gonna take action they are definitely here for instagram and a picture so like i always wonder if like people that's go great. for the actual knowledge or for the picture. You know what I mean? Like the the, the a lot of money picture. to pay for a
0: picture, though. Huh? <laughs> I said that's a lot of money to pay for a picture.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you'd be surprised. A lot of people get off on that. But uh, yeah, so that's cool. My my view on on mentorships and paid programs and all this is like you're you're basically you're buying your way past that learning curve. It's like, am I gonna spend the next two years trying to figure this out on my own? Or am I gonna pay five grand and I'm gonna learn this in, in, in four weeks, but then I have to implement. And I think there's something that that my culture makes me like wanna talk about this part where like, for example, in, 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 in the Hispanic culture, the dads are always like, dejalo pa que aprenda, right? So it's like, you're gonna fall and that way you're gonna learn. So in like, in 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 masterminds it's like we're not letting you fall but we're still teaching you so we're letting you not lose money we're letting you not so so i'm always like kind of like on the fence of like should we still let them make some mistakes so that they can learn kind of like our culture taught us back in the day or like are they going to accept this because we told them And, you know, did they really learn the lesson or are they just going to if they implement what we said, it's going to work. So just continue to do it. So personally, I'm leaning more towards, look, pay for a mentorship, avoid two years of heartaches and losing money and get ahead. Because what I did was I took two years before I bought my first piece of real estate because I didn't know about hard money, private money. I didn't know you could do all this. I thought literally the only way to buy real estate was going to a bank, getting a loan. I wasn't bankable, so I had to wait two years to be self-employed, or I had to wait two years of self-employment to get a loan. And I was like, man, I could have done a hundred different things rather than waiting those two years. If I would have paid to be in a mastermind, like for example, Rat Race um, to are our, our masterminds like four or $5,000 a year. And we meet over a hundred times a year in meetings. And I'm like, if I would have paid that, just investing for three months with appreciation and loan paydown and cash flow would have avoided me waiting two years of waiting, right? So I, I am way in the camp of like, look, pay for the education, but you gotta find the right mentor, you gotta find the right leader. If you're in in if you're out there looking for a a, a good leader or a good um, a mastermind, Jose, what are some suggestions that you would give the listeners? as to what things to look for when trying to find the right mastermind, the right guru, the right whatever you want to call it. Um, pretty
0: much just what you said Like you need to make sure that your goals are aligned with what that mastermind is actually doing. If, if you're stuck in analysis paralysis, maybe it, it is a mindset uh, mastermind that will help you get to the next level. Or it's just or that you need the tactical portions of it. It really just depends on everyone's needs because um for me the mindset helped to start but i needed a little bit more tactical on okay well this is what you need to do during due diligence and this is what you need to do during negotiations and this is you know how how to build those relationships with brokers so you know it's different needs for everybody else but um also most of the ones that that are out there most of them you should be able to like pay you know monthly or as it continues you're not kind of locked into like a year so you know you can get into one and then if it's not a fit you know but stick it out for a little while because you don't know you could it could be one of those weeks where it's a little bit off it could be like a question answer week where you may not think you're getting value but there's like 10 other people on the call getting a lot a lot of value from that call so you know stick it out i would say at least like three months to six months to try it just to make sure And then also get into those separate pods and accountability groups so that you're smaller and meeting even more frequently and and having text conversations constantly and just keeping each other motivated
1: throughout the entire process. Yeah, I agree with that 100 percent. I think Rat Race Defy has a six month and a one year option. And the reason we do that is uh, a lot of people have told us like day to day, like meeting to meeting Monday to Wednesday, I sometimes didn't feel like I got a ton of value. But then I looked back six months later and I'm like, holy crap, I've bought four properties, right. right? So it's like it's like going to the gym. Yeah. Um, so actually, I don't completely agree with like only having a month to month because it's like going to the gym. I tell people like, you're gonna go to the gym and you're gonna look at yourself in the mirror Monday and then you're gonna look at yourself in the mirror Tuesday and then two weeks from now, you're gonna look at yourself and you're gonna look the same. Right. But you take a picture that first day and you take a picture six months later and you were consistent, those pictures are gonna be very different. So our challenge to people is like, look, You got to do this for six months minimum to see a slight change, and then you're going to continue to see that growth as you take action, but you got to be consistent, and if someone's not willing to be consistent for at least six months, then I feel like it's it's not going to work now we want you to grow out of us in a year, we need you to be leading people in rat race, or we need you to be doing that. And that's what a mastermind should do. Like you said earlier, um, you should outgrow your, your, your mentors eventually. Right. If they're mentoring you, right. Like you should be like, all right, thanks. You were dope. But like, it's time to keep pushing forward. Um, so, so yeah, I think Diego, what do you think about, about that?
2: Yeah. Well, about the mentorships, uh, I highly believe that like success leaves clues and, and I'll tell you, by being part of other masterminds with the guys in Go Abundance, for example, what may have taken them 20 years or 10 years, I have accomplished it in five. Right, and it goes because I've seen the mistakes that they that they may have done in the past, and they're like, look, Diego, this is where I screwed up. You don't need to do that. Here was the lesson, but do this instead. Right, and I feel like surrounding yourself with with with, with people like that, and you have to like it definitely costs money. Um, so it's definitely, I feel like you have to pay to get into the right rooms, uh, unless you are doing like, you're either, you either pay with your time, like you're a volunteer or you have to pay to be part of the room and (laughs) say, say that's an attendee at the end of the day. Um, on the, on the other perspective, I feel like your mentors should also be growing. And I feel like if your mentors are not growing then you're going to, um, to outgrow them, right? But for example, I was talking to one of the guys in GoBundance, Osborne. Um, there was one time that I was flying with him on his private plane. He's like, but he was excited. And I was like, dude, why are you so excited? It's like, I met a new mentor. And I was like, holy crap, you're worth over $100 million. And you're excited because now you have a new mentor. I'm like, <laughs> imagine like that growth right and i feel like no matter what if you surround yourself with people that are student of life you will always continue to grow and uh, and from that angle like tony robbins says if you're not growing you're dying so that's all i have to say about that
1: way to make it super deep diego me and jose were like having diego's like Bam, bam, <laughs> bomb after bomb. We're all like, well, that's Diego. <laughs> no, but that's
0: it's so true. And, no. and I think the other thing is like a lot of people just look at the cost of a mastermind and they yeah. don't think of like how much value they are getting themselves to grow. So you got to look at the at it. There, there will be a cost, just as Diego said, it's either your time or your money that you're going to be putting into. But what kind of return can you get on that? How can you 10x whatever you're paying monthly? How can you 100x that? You you can you can 100x that in like two deals, one deal, depending on the size of the deal. So you never know like what you can do once you surround yourself with the right people.
2: Yeah, like really quick an example from somebody in Rad Race, uh, Anton. For for example, he joined Rad Race and he's like, "Hey, I want to house hack one property. That's my thing."
1: That, that was his goal.
2: That was his goal. And uh, he's expanded so much that he made a, like he made $100,000 in one day by closing on a flip and doing a wholesale deal in one day, right? So it went from, hey, I just want to do an FHA loan on this duplex to making 100000 which is freaking amazing, right? But you never know uh, when you join a mastermind like that, uh, what is the potential? And I feel like by people taking action and having the right conversations, you there's so much opportunity out there.
1: No, I agree hundred percent. I always wonder if like some of the gurus did a mastermind like in North Dakota, if people would still go or if it's like, nah, bro, like it's in Hawaii. We in there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, I'm not, I'm not giving If for anyone. listening, I'm not giving a shot. I actually love Brandon. He's an awesome guy. Great friend. Definitely love what he's doing. He's probably impacted like that's goals, right? Like how many people can you impact? There's a meme on Instagram that I see that says like, um, I can't wait to the day that I say I made it. And I remember blocking out I made it to where I can't wait to the day where I impacted a hundred people. And like, I feel like that's Brandon's life. Like he's impacted so many people in a positive way. What a, what, a, what a great guy. Maybe one day I can make it to his mastermind, but those tickets aren't cheap. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> um, Jose, so uh where are you at in your real estate career? What do you got going on? What's next Uh and, and what growth do you see in next year, 2022? Yeah. So,
0: um, so for me, I basically took like the accelerated stack as since we just talked about Brandon. So his always was, you know, the stack, you know, you buy, say you get that house hack, that two unit, then next year you get four units, then go to eight and then 16. So I kind of did an accelerated stack since I was out of state. So my first goal for 2020 was 21 units. So I hit that with the 22. Um, the goal for this year is 42 units. Um, so in order to get to that, I'm actually going backwards a little to move forward. So um, I'm actually under contract to sell my 15 unit um, so that I can turn that into either a 32 unit portfolio or possibly go to something much larger. So um, that was kind of one of my takeaways from the, the mastermind that I just came back from is that I need to also double down on my strengths. So uh, I'm sure that you both would agree that you know everyone has strengths and weaknesses for me. When you're investing out of state this is for all the listeners as well when you're investing out of state like you have to have a solid solid team to execute properly and you can't rely on one one person a little too much than the other one so for me i was relying a little too much on the property manager and things kept falling through the cracks that you know i what you know under extreme ownership i wasn't uh, managing the manager and holding them accountability accountable weekly so for me um i was i'm partnering potentially with a couple of different people um, who are stronger in operations, more asset management, construction management. And then I will focus more on the relationships, the acquisitions, the, uh, you know, deal finding so that we can get to closing. Because I really enjoy that process, the negotiations, getting to closing. But then once you close, you got to you got to operate it efficiently and do, you know, run it properly. And that wasn't my strength so um, that's where i'm looking i'm taking a step back to sell the 15 so that i can move into something larger with uh, some partners
2: are you doing a 1031 exchange by selling the 15 or no
0: not on the 15. um okay. my seven unit uh once i sell that um we're, we're making some changes in, in property management so um i will do a 1031 on that one when i sell it um, but not on the 15, um, just because there was a couple things that went through on that one. Um, but I'll, um, the goal is basically just to shift my, my capital into, um, another larger asset so that, uh, that the purchase of the new asset will offset the taxes.
2: Cool. So basically you bought 22 doors in one year, in, in one year, right? And four now you're in, in what?
0: In four months, actually.
2: In four months. Okay. <laughs> And I have a few questions about that too, but you bought, so you bought those two properties, 22 doors, and now you're selling them in order for you to capitalize and buy into a larger deal.
0: Yes. Cause then I want to get, um, the goal is to get another 42 this this year and then go to another 84 next year. So that I just want to continue to double every single year. So I'm a little behind the ball on this one. So i may carry over into 2022, but I will get there. So that's yeah. uh, that's the goal.
2: That's cool. That's cool. And how did you find that, uh, that seven in the 15 unit?
0: So this is, this is really good. So um, this kind of go, goes also back to the mentorship. So I, I, the first property I actually found on LoopNet. It was part of a portfolio of 42 units, mostly four plexes. And then there was a five and a seven unit in that portfolio that was listed at the time. And as I was evaluating the four units, because that was my goal was just to get four units. So I just only looked at the four units. And then I reached out to a mentor of mine that, that, you know, I reached out to Andrew Cushman Mm -hmm. and he's, he's phenomenal in multifamily. So I just started talking to him, explaining the, the property as I was looking at. And I was like, I don't know if I'm just getting into analysis paralysis. He's like, well, you said that there was a five and a seven unit in there. And everything you told me about your goals are that you wanted to scale to a point where you can reach financial independence through multifamily. If you want to scale, don't even look at the four units. Add one more unit, just one more unit. Either go for the five or the seven. The minute you add one more unit and you're at five plus units, you're in commercial space. So you will build a track record by closing on that five or that seven. And that'll make it easier for the next deal and the next deal and the next deal because they may not consider your duplex fourplex as commercial and part of your track record with some of the commercial lenders and brokers so um between the five and the seven the seven had three vacant at the time break even on that property was four units so i was like all right solid so i can buy, buy this do the work to it and then get it fully leased out and then it'll cash flow at that point but my break even was four as long as four people are paying then i can cover everything else so I knew from a risk standpoint that that's that would give me the the best um, best opportunity to get out of that fear of you know the need for certainty was that I knew that I had enough people paying rent to cover everything and then I, there was more baked into it.
1: That's yeah, that's that's epic. Just one more makes the difference. A lot of people don't realize that, right? Like going from four to five, you're in a completely different ballgame. Uh, it's the
0: same process. I mean, you're still yeah. dealing with the same amount of due diligence, everything. The only difference is it's a little bit different on the lending criteria and how you qualify for those. But realistically, it's it's apples to apples. Like it's not that big of a difference. But the valuation yeah. process, you're no, no longer also dealing with the comps in the area. You're dealing with how much can you make that property run efficiently to bump that NOI and then potentially sell it for a lot more than you bought it from. So it's basically a burr on steroids once you get into the commercial
1: yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's dope. And then uh, sorry, I must have missed it. Well, how many doors are you looking for next year? What's your what's your big goal?
0: So the the ultimate goal is and realistically, when I broke it down, um, it's not really a number of units. It's just a cash flow. I, I want to get to a point where I can step away from the W-2 and focus on real estate full time. That's really the goal. I'm really passionate about real estate. It's um, I haven't been this excited to talk about real, like I can talk to anybody about real estate all day long, yeah. and so it's just I just noticed that in myself that I get so much more excited for the day when I can start talking to other investors like the two of you, right? Than anything else. So um, for me, it's just to get to that um, financial independence standpoint where I have enough cash flow from my multifamily properties to step away and do it full time, and I know the minute I can do it full time. <laughs> I can drastically scale. So that's kind of, it's not necessarily like a unit count, but I still have that you know, 4284 unit in my mind because that's where I think I need to be. But I don't think that's really where I need to be to step away and do this full time.
1: I yeah. think that is awesome. And before Diego gets us out of here, I do want to ask one last question. Yes. What is with the reels, dude? I love your reels. Brandon has even reposted some of yours. Like they're hilarious. I love them. <laughs> So, um, that was one where I just saw that,
0: you know, a lot of people were getting more traction from the reels and I was just trying to figure out how I can do it and still make it funny and have my personality come through a little bit more. And I actually, I actually took a, a step away from the reels prior to Maui because I, I was getting like writer's block, but real block, um, yeah. because I couldn't figure out like what to post next on the reels. Yeah. And then um, talking to Alex Camacho and I just listened to his uh, interview on your podcast uh, recently and he, he just challenged me. He's like, he's like, bro, like what's going on? Like, you, you have some good content there, but I don't see your face in them. You got to show your face, show your personality a little bit more so that people know who you are. And that's yeah. kind of why I started picking it up again. And then Now I'm just having fun with it. <laughs> I think
1: it's awesome. I think it's great.
0: I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so for anybody that wants to find out more about you on, on IG, what is your, uh... What is your ig so that, you, that they can check out all of your reels all of your content
0: so you can find me on instagram or any other okay. social media platforms that claims to fire and uh so that's insurance claims basically is where i got that from initially
2: so now here. i get it i get yeah, it i get it yeah before i didn't know I'm like what what does it mean by claim like i thought it's like maybe you're claiming that you're gonna be fired or like i didn't know but now i do
0: but that's also like i wanted it because I, I was like i don't know where i want to take this down the road so it, it could transition into that as well so you can make that claim to fire um as well and you know chase your financial independence so uh claims to fire i would say on also social media is where you can find me
1: cool. i love it i love it well man it's been awesome jose thank you so much for sending some some time with us i think a lot of people are going to get value uh, talking about the insurance stuff uh masterminds how how we how, what our what our vision and our plan is for them and, and what we think about them um and then knowing that you've gone to some pretty high level masterminds which is super dope um excited to see your growth next year hopefully we can get you on the podcast q4 next year and just see you've completely blown your goals out of the water guys everyone make sure you you follow claims to fire on instagram his reels are hilarious if you can make it into one i'm still waiting to get to to, to make it into one of his reels but i guess we'll We'll figure that one out on the back end. Um, Diego, any last words for Jose?
2: Any last words, Jose? I'm excited to see what uh, what 22, what 2022 has to come for you as you capitalize uh, on those 40 on whatever units that you buy. Because uh, it's really important. One one thing that you said was like you're taking a step back to go forward faster, and a lot of people may feel afraid to do that or they may not, or they think that they're going to go back and like, I'm I'm going to feel like a failure, but uh, I really like that, that you're taking that action. So.
0: And I appreciate, I appreciate you both um, giving me the opportunity to hop on this podcast and share some uh, value with your, with your listeners. And maybe Diego, I might see you in park city in January. So that's, uh, (laughs) so that might be the next, uh, the next opportunity.
2: Perfect. Sounds good, Jose. Thank you. Thanks Jose.
0: the Rap Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.